I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I had a diocesan committee meeting yesterday, the Bishop's Committee on the Diaconate. I say that because they are church and scripture lovers all. And as the meeting was finally breaking up, someone asked, oh, is anyone preaching tomorrow? The delight around the table is everyone but me said their own version of no, thank God. <laughs> I share that in case any of you felt like you were missing something obvious. This parable is puzzling. Read too quickly, it might sound like Jesus is condoning dishonest behavior. Read more slowly, it still sounds like Jesus is condoning dishonest behavior and how weird that is can really sink in. It's almost a bit of a one-two punch, I feel, as this strange story concludes with those famous words of Jesus that strike right at the heart of our economic anxieties and our material wants. No slave can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and wealth. I have to say that working out a sermon on a difficult parable can feel a bit like Jacob wrestling with the angel. When Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me, this is supposed to be good news after all. So in honor of Education Sunday, I invite you to grab on with me to tussle with the three things that to me feel the most strange and consider what Jesus might be trying to tell us through them. First, there is the premise of the parable itself, the character of the dishonest manager. You may have heard him called the unjust steward. This parable is unique to Luke's gospel. We don't hear it this morning introduced as an answer to a question or a reaction to a happening. Why is Jesus telling this weird story at all? Perhaps unsurprisingly, it really helps to have the larger context. This parable comes last in a succession of parables, an escalating series of bad happenings that begins the chapter before. So I invite you to pull out your pew Bible and turn to the 15th chapter of Luke. Further the back than the front is my first clue. It's page 59 of the New Testament. The 15th chapter of Luke Chapter 15, verse 1, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. The headings are a later edition, but you may have seen at once where we're going. The parable of the lost sheep. It says the parable of the lost sheep. It's the poor lost sheep who wanders away from the other 99 and the shepherd who won't stop looking until he finds it. If you're anything like me, this parable is not only familiar but comforting. The poor sheep didn't know any better. He didn't mean to get lost. But now turn the page to verse 8, and you see at once we have the parable of the lost coin. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Much like the sheep, the coin doesn't know it's lost either, but the woman certainly does. Already the stakes are getting higher. If the sheep was gone for good, the shepherd still had 99 others. If this silver coin is gone, this woman only has nine left. 
So she rejoices when she finds that coin, the way the angels rejoice in heaven. I'm sure you already see what comes next, the parable parable of the prodigal and his brother, the parable of the prodigal son. Then Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. It's the prodigal son, the son who takes his share of his father's inheritance and leaves home to seek his fortune. The son who loses himself. Unlike the sheep or the coin, when things go south, the son knows he's in trouble. But for all the details Jesus gives, I always loved how clearly you can picture it, the young man jealous of the food the pigs are eating. For all the details Jesus gives us, we don't have a window into this lost son's heart. He knows he needs to apologize to his father, but whether it's because he's truly sorry or he just needs to save his skin, we don't know. The father comes running to meet him anyway with his arms open wide. He pulls out the best robe, he he kills the fatted calf, and he comforts his other son. The brother who never left home tells him not to be angry at his brother or doubtful of his father's love, because of course, he loves them both dearly. But his brother who had been lost has been found. And that brings us right to this morning's gospel. Here is our dishonest manager. You can put the Bible down. (laughs) You can see how bit by bit the stakes get higher. The value of what may be lost is becoming more precious. From one sheep lost out of a hundred, one silver coin lost out of ten, one beloved son gone away out of two, to one man contemplating the destruction of his one livelihood, the end of his one life as he knows it. But I want to be clear, the fact that the manager is in big trouble doesn't mean that we ought to sympathize with him. As the stakes increase, so does the bad behavior, the complexity of all parties involved in these stories. I think it's from a lost sheep to a lost coin to a lost son to a lost cause, because this manager is a creep. By Jesus' own admission, this is not a great guy. So no, I don't think we're meant to sympathize with him. But we are meant to understand him. Because we too might do anything we could think of to save our job, our home, ourselves. I've actually found myself caught off guard by the realism of this moment compared to other parables. I personally haven't really sown seeds or separated the wheat from the chaff or hidden a lantern lantern under a bushel, why ever you would do that. But I have worried a lot about myself. I have worried that I completely screwed something up, that bad choices are catching up with me, and that there is nowhere to hide. So that's our context for this dishonest manager, this man who seems to have been skimming a hefty profit off the top. Second thing that really throws me off about this parable is when we hear Jesus say, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth. That's confusing. At first I heard it as make wealth for yourself dishonestly and use it to make friends. But if that were the case, this parable would be about the behavior that got the manager in trouble in the first place. It would be about the parts of the story that Jesus glosses over 
because he knows his audience knows them already, the high interest rates and unjust economic practices that were a fact of life in first century Palestine. And now, Jesus' audience knew exactly what this manager had done, recognized that on top of the debt, there was not only interest for the master and a little taste for Rome, but some money for the manager too. Jesus is not encouraging us to accrue wealth through dishonest means. In fact, the year of Jubilee, the forgiveness of debts, it's part of Jesus' message of new life and liberation through God's love. We hear it all throughout Luke's gospel. Mary sings about it in the Magnificat. Jesus reads it from the scroll of Isaiah as he begins his ministry. This is about what we do with our ill-gotten gains. You have to do the right thing with money. You got the wrong way. This story is about how we make right what we did wrong. Jesus is telling us, when you're lost down a bad path, you have to turn around. And God is going to be happy to see you. It's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too late for us to do good. God doesn't write us off. But he does call on us to change. That's what repentance is. That's what Jesus calls us to along with our new freedom, repentance. That Greek word metanoia is a changing of our heart, turning ourselves around. Because that's the last thing I want to talk about this morning, how this story brings us to the paradoxical urgency of the good news. Jesus reassures us again and again that it is never too late for us to change. It's never too late for us to repent, to turn around, to change our hearts. It's never too late. And we have to start at once. We have to start right now. Because what's the other thread through this succession of parables? Once the people in them realize things are going wrong, they don't hesitate. The shepherd heads right out into the wilderness. The woman lights her lamp and gets out her broom. The son comes to his senses and comes home. The father hikes up his robes and literally runs to meet his son. You can't unknow what you know. You can't see the harm that you're doing to yourself or to others and to God and stay put. Jesus tells us, Jesus shows us that God loves us, but God's undying love doesn't mean we're free to choose harm until we're tired of it. It means that God knows we are all on our own journeys. And when we realize that we're truly lost, he's by our side to help us find the way home. Faithful in little, faithful in much. Dishonest in little, dishonest in much. What we do matters. That means there's no mistake too small that we're not meant to learn from it. It's not too late for the prodigal son. It's not too late for the angry brother. It's not too late for the dishonest manager. It's not even too late for the shrewd, rich master. And it's definitely not too late for us. But we don't have forever to wait to hear the good news because Jesus is calling us here and now. Think back to that image of Jacob by the riverside, wrestling with the angel. He's wrestling with himself, terrified to go back to Cana and his brother Esau, the brother he had hurt, 
the place where he did wrong. And there God is, promising him, promising us abundant grace, if only we'll take it. The angel won't let go. Won't let go until we let God bless us. Amen.